Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, holistic nutrition coach and mother of four, Amanda, takes us on the journey that led her to free birth her twin girls at home. Amanda experienced obstetric abuse during her first birth that caused a severe postpartum hemorrhage. Her second, although not as traumatic, solidified in her mind that any future babies would be born at home. When the yearning for a third child started to arise, Amanda and her husband were given a 2% chance to conceive naturally due to his vasectomy reversal. Declining the IVF route, they instead chose to surrender to what was meant for them, and surprisingly conceived twin girls only a short time later. Amanda threw herself into all research available around physiological twin birth. She innately knew her body was capable of birthing her babies, but her options were limited when it came to support. With her extensive knowledge and understanding around twin birth, she knew the only place she could give her babies the time and presence they needed to come earthside was undisturbed at home. She shares the awe-inspiring moments she bear witness to the power of her body's physiological dance to bring her transverse baby down to be born, and how she entwined her knowledge and instincts to navigate a pivotal point in her birth. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you for being here today. Hi, how are you going? I'm amazing. I'm so excited to get into this episode. I know I'm so pumped to talk about this twin birth. I just feel like twin mums have so few options when it comes to birthing and Yeah, it was a bit of a different choice that I made, but I'm happy to get it out there. Yes, me too. Let's jump straight into it. Perfect. First, for those that don't know, are the twins your only children? No, I have a daughter, Peyton, who is nine, and a son, Atlas, who is seven. What were your birth experiences like with them, and were they both planned conceptions? Um. No, my daughter was not a planned conception. (laughs) She was a lovely surprise, um, but uh, she was a pretty traumatic hospital birth. Um, Yeah, so it 
it definitely put me on the path for how the twins' birth went. Um, and then Atlas, my son, he was two years later and he was also a very big surprise. So both my husband and I are extremely fertile and, uh, yes, despite multiple barriers, <laughs> here we are with two children, <laughs> the first two, neither one of them are planned. Um, and Atlas's birth was another interesting birth. It was, uh, he was in a birth centre in Mackay um, and that was a much more gentle, beautiful birth, but it was nearly a home birth because um, we got kicked out of the um, birth centre a couple of days prior to me giving birth. Oh. But luckily, yeah. <laughs> Why did they kick you out, if you don't mind me asking? No, not at all. So with my daughter's birth, um, it was quite traumatic and there was a lot of hospital um issues. So there was a lot of mistakes that were made on the hospital's end. One of the main ones was the head obstetrician. Once I had given birth to my daughter, pulled quite hard on the umbilical cord um, and it flung out, the placenta flung out and hit up against the wall and dripped down the wall. And I um, was in quite a lot of pain, obviously, from that. And then everybody left the room and then I had a postpartum hemorrhage. So I had a wild postpartum hemorrhage and um, there was nobody in there. So I was basically screaming and yelling, but I nearly bled out. And then I had about 20 um, hospital staff in there with me. So they, when I went to go and have my birth with my son at the birth centre, they deemed me high risk because I had a postpartum hemorrhage. However, it was the hospital's mistake that led to that postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. So the head obstetrician at the time turned a blind eye to the fact that I was going through the birth centre. Uh, and then when... I, uh, two days before giving birth to my son, the uh, head obstetrician left the hospital and she was the one that made the executive decisions on who could go through the birth centre and who couldn't. So um, she left and then another um, man stood in and he couldn't understand why I was able to go through the birth centre even though I had a postpartum hemorrhage. So he basically said I had to go through the hospital and not through um, the birth centre. So, yeah, so two days before with a bit of trauma around birth, finding that out, I was researching home births like mad. There were no home birth midwives in Mackay at the time. So I went down the rabbit hole of figuring out how I could just free birth at home, yeah. <laughs> much to my husband's dismay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we ended up um, – going into labour and my husband basically drove us to the birth centre and said to the hospital, you can either let us in or we're going to give birth on the steps and that's going to be a bit of a PR nightmare for you guys. So oh, good you on too. You. So they ran the bath and let us in. Nice work. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was that journey that kind of exposed you, I guess, to um, the idea of free birth? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, so my son's birth was – it was really beautiful. It was a water birth. We were probably in the birth centre for about 45 minutes or half an hour, 45 minutes, and just hopped in the birth pool and um, pushed. But um, I had a postpartum hemorrhage again. The oh. midwife um, 
saw that my son's umbilical cord was wrapped around his shoulders and around his neck. So she immediately jumped in and I had pulled him up between my legs, but she jumped in and pretty much ripped him out of my arms um, to untangle and kind of not knowing, I guess, that the umbilical cord can support them. They, yeah, you know, it's not needed. I could have pulled them out and done that nice and slowly. And so it wouldn't have ripped and teared. So I had a postpartum hemorrhage after that, but I think that was quite a small postpartum hemorrhage. So I think it was around about a litre, but it's difficult to tell, obviously, when you're in a birth pool. So, yeah, those two circumstances um, really made me think about uh, home birth. Yeah. I was very much on the track of home birth, not free birth. Right, okay. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. So how old was your son when you decided to go back for another baby? So my son was six and my husband had actually had a vasectomy. So this is another interesting part of this story. No, it wasn't (laughs) through the vasectomy that it happened, but he had had a vasectomy. Um, We were living in Mackay at the time and we had no, um, I guess, family support in that area. And so it was really difficult. I didn't have many friends at the same Um, that had kids that age and so it was quite difficult for us with my husband working away from home so he was driving drive out of a mine site Um, so it was just difficult to get any support and we were pretty much just done with having children it was too stressful those younger years were so stressful but we decided yeah to have the vasectomy and then when we moved down to Wollongong um, which is where my family are we thought, wow, like this is awesome. We've got family support. Our kids are so awesome. We love them. The whole amnesia came <laughs> over us about the, the childbirth yeah. and all of the rest. And so we thought, you know what, we're going to have this vasectomy reversed. So we went in to have a vasectomy reversal and we had to do a whole lot of tests that came with that. And one of them was an anti-sperm test. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but yeah. um, when you have a vasectomy, often well the sperm fires off into your testicles and um, your body can basically set up an immune response from something entering an area that it shouldn't so it starts to create specific antibodies for sperm so a lot of men that have uh, vasectomy end up with this anti-sperm that they're creating so uh, an immune response so Chris had quite a high level of anti-sperm so what they said, the vasectomy um, reversal clinic basically said, look, if you really want to have more children, you should go down the IVF route. Um, you shouldn't go through the natural route. It won't happen. You'll have less than a 2% chance of conceiving naturally. So uh, we took our odds and we said, look, if it's supposed to be, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And if it's not, it's not. So we decided to continue down the vasectomy reversal route, even though there was only a 2% chance. Um and yeah first go we landed off first go with twins so yeah yeah that is incredible can you take us to that moment of finding out they were twins because I know for me personally it was just such an overwhelming moment and I just love hearing other women's reactions I guess (laughs) yeah I still feel like it's pretty much a haze from that point like yes Um, absolutely so true so I went in to have the scan so we decided to have quite minimal um scans and minimal checks and all of the rest so the first scan we had was at 12 weeks because I didn't I didn't want to go in for the six-week scan and yeah 
Were you having any different symptoms? Like, could you feel that it was a different pregnancy this time around? Yeah, I had a bump so soon. Like at 12 weeks, I had a really decent bump. Um, and I felt no, I didn't get any pregnancy symptoms with either my son or my daughter. And then with this pregnancy, it was just wild. It was like the insomnia. I had pains, like growing pains starting off. I had so much nausea and I'd never had nausea before. Like I'm just not an upchucker sort of person. And I just, yeah, it was wild. So I just thought it was, oh yeah, I'm, you know, a few years on, um, from having my, babies before and it's probably just you know I'm getting a bit older and I'm feeling it a bit more (laughs) but no at the scan um the the what do you call it the screen was facing the opposite way so they only had one screen because the other screen was broken in at this clinic the ultrasound clinic and so my husband was looking at the screen and the sonographer and they both just ended up with this huge shocked expression on their face (laughs) And I couldn't see what was going on. So I was lying down and I was saying to my husband, what, what, what is it? And I didn't think it was anything bad. They both just had this shell-shocked look, like not a, not a, um, a sad look. or yeah. But it was just, it was just shell-shocked. Like my husband's eyes, I've never seen them so wide. <laughs> and, yeah, my husband just said, there's two of them. And I said, what? Thinking he was joking because I think everybody must have that joke at some point. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll have twins. He's like, there's two of them. I said, what? Are you serious? And, yeah, there were two of them. And I, yeah, that shock. I'm sure you had that similar shock. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) I honestly had like an out-of-body experience with mine. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're not expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you guys, like, is there twins in your family? Was it ever on your radar at all? Yeah, I have no twins in my family anyway. It just wasn't something on my radar. I remember this is awful, but I used to look at twin mums and I'd say to my mum and I'd be like, oh, I would just die if that was me. Like, (laughs) too much. Like, it's too much. I wouldn't be able to cope. Yeah. Karma. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a total surprise for you then. Yes, and then it's just, I guess, rewriting your whole story because I had booked in a private midwife at that stage um, and I didn't know that private midwives in Australia couldn't see twin mums, that they were deemed high risk and so their insurance didn't cover them. Uh, So it was rewriting a whole lot of those stories and just looking at what options we had from that point, which it seems to be slim pickings really. Well, I mean, there's only two options, isn't there? It's either go to the hospital or your free birth. Yeah, and and the hospital policies around twin births are so wild. They're so intense. Mm. So I started researching pretty intensely uh, twin births, natural twin births, what sort of twins I had. So I had diamniotic, dichronionic twins, which um, – For those people that don't know, there are all sorts of different twins. And there are, so there's diamniotic, diachronionic, monoamniotic, monocryonic. And so there are different levels of safety. So the DCDA twins that I had were basically the safest twins. They had their own placenta um, and they had their own amniotic sac. So there was no, the stress isn't as much. Yeah. 
So those are also called fraternal twins, right? Identical is when the cell splits and they share the placenta? Well, not necessarily. I know um, a DDA twin that is, um, yeah, she's uh, an identical twin. So what can happen is those eggs can split uh, further up, basically, in the fallopian tubes and they split and then come down and... Yeah, and then implant that way. So there's so many different ways. I actually don't think most of the doctors and obstetricians are up with what sort of twins there there are because I feel like I was educating some of the people involved in my birth plan. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I had no idea. I had no idea of any of these sorts of twins until I started researching myself, which I really went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I looked at my options and I we lived in Wollongong and we lived about 500 metres away from an ambulance base and about 10 minutes away from the local hospital. So I thought about all my options. I discussed them with my husband. Basically, I went straight into the hospital and I booked in with them to have the birth in there and knowing full well that I may not actually give birth in there. I just wanted to make sure that whatever options I, you know, wanted, I had the option of doing whatever I wanted. So I went in and I booked in, but it was at a time in coronavirus where everybody was not going into their appointments. A lot of their appointments were via Skype. Like it was quite difficult to get in. Um, And also my kids were being homeschooled at the time. So that was tricky to kind of juggle everything but anyway I went in for this obstetrician appointment and the high-risk obstetrician the first time I saw him he just laughed at the fact that I wanted to have a twin natural birth Mm. Uh, so that really set the um set the foundations for me looking at other options more intently uh so I asked him uh, you know would I be able to go past 38 weeks if I was still pregnant at 38 weeks because they try and induce you around 38 weeks and he said no but he couldn't give me any hard stats as to why that was no he just said the risks of stillborns are much higher after 38 weeks and I said well, well what are the stats and he, he couldn't give me any stats and I feel like he, it was really based upon um, outdated statistics and not really knowing Although this guy was the high-risk obstetrician, uh, he couldn't give me a lot of information about twin births. So, yeah, so I went in there um, and then I came out of the hospital and I said, look, we're going on a holiday. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be back for my appointment, so don't call me. I'll call you if we're back and then we'll schedule in the rest of these appointments. Otherwise, I'll just do them on the road because, yeah, I'll just figure it out myself. So... Yeah, that was, I I tried to kind of get around it that way. And then I just went into my doctor at the time um, for all of my tests that I wanted. So blood tests, any, I wanted a 20-week scan. Um, And I was actually quite lucky because during coronavirus, most of the referrals were done by doctors. They weren't actually done by the obstetricians at the the hospitals anymore uh, because people were, they were trying to keep people out of the hospitals. So luckily my doctor was able to do reluctantly able to do a lot of the referrals for me I think he was on to me but that's okay he had no idea so yeah he was like why can't the hospital do this and I said look I can't go in there because I'm homeschooling my children and they don't allow kids at the moment in the hospital which is true and then yeah so I also booked in a doula a beautiful Trish who was my doula 
And I guess that was probably more for my husband's sake because he, uh, when we had a midwife, he was really happy to have a midwife at home, but the whole concept of free birthing for him was quite scary. And so it was kind of, (laughs) I actually wanted to just birth at home by myself. And if things went pear-shaped or I felt something wasn't right and I was uncomfortable within my own body, I would just transfer to a hospital where they had all of my details now on file from going through all the paperwork with the obstetrician and the nurses to start off with. So that was kind of my game plan. Free birth at home, if all went well and if things didn't feel right, then I would go in straight away. So, yeah, that was the plan. Did you receive any, I guess, pushback from anyone in your circle when you shared with them that you were going to free birth the twins at home? Or I had a really beautiful friend, Anita, from The Midwitch, oh, who told me. I had a call with her and she said, look, keep your cards really close to your chest because yeah. you will receive a lot of pushback and you can get reported to docs and all sorts of things. So just keep that in mind that you don't want to have anybody infiltrate that energy field of yours right now. You want to stay positive and you want to believe in your own body and believe in its ability to do its own thing. So she was a really, I'm so grateful that she said that to me at the start. So I told my close friends, which I've got a beautiful group of close friends, my like-minded mamas in Wollongong, And they were all so supportive, as well as my mum who home birthed um, both my brother and my sister. So I was surrounded by really amazing women that knew that they were capable of doing it themselves. And nobody gave me any pushback at all. I don't think I copped any pushback, actually. Oh, actually, no, I did. I did a calm birth course and the lady that was running the calm birth, birth course was the only person that gave me Oh, pushback. I'm kind of shocked she by that. Planted. I know she's supposed to be empowering women, but she kept on planting those seeds of doubt in my head every time I said what I was doing. She was like, "Oh, look, I'm not sure." Oh, wow. Yeah, that was the only pushback, and she didn't really say anything like, "You know, you shouldn't do it." She just kept on planting those seeds in there, which was not what anybody else did. Um, but some of the resources that I looked at were your podcast actually I I listened to so many births I went crazy listening to births I think you've got a couple of twin podcasts that I listened to yes Uh, and they were I think there was a natural one yeah and there was yeah I listened I listened to all of them pretty much as well as Australian birth stories as well as the free birth podcast I did the calm birth course that was more for my husband to get a better understanding of birth and the physiological side of it so he would understand. One thing that I was really paranoid about is that he would see that as his responsibility and he would get really freaked out in situations that I knew were natural. Like, for example, um, transition, that crisis of confidence and getting him to understand, you know, when that happens, you need to support me through that. You don't, you know, don't think that You know, I'm saying, I can't do it. If I say I can't do it, give me five minutes. I'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted him to understand. Um, And then I also uh, read Home Births on Your Own Terms. I actually don't know who who that book's by, but that was a really good one. Yeah. Hypnobirthing, The Mongood Method, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, Spiritual Midwifery. And then I also just absolutely hounded all of the twins facebook pages so all the natural birthing pages to get any information i could because there's not a lot of information on 
physiological twin births. I shouldn't say natural, physiological twin births. So that was something that I just researched to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't understand how the system works as well, when you enter the hospital with twins, even if you go for a vaginal birth and are supported with that, they will still want to give you an epidural to manage the birth, right? Yes, to make sure that that second baby, they can get a hand in the rotate second baby if need be uh and i just couldn't the the local doc the local obstetrician was not going to let me have any of those options he was very steadfast in the fact that it was going to be a c-section as well both of my babies were transverse so isla was in my pelvis transverse and hazel was also very transverse in the top yeah so there was no way that i was going to have a physiologic birth if i went into the hospital there was just no way yeah Definitely. So tell us about your pregnancy because I know how challenging that experience was for me. So I want to hear how it was for you. Oh my goodness. Wild. I can't even put into words just the level of pain of just Mm. like rolling over in bed. And I'm, I've got a pretty high pain threshold and I was dying. Yeah, it was intense. I remember getting all the pelvic support as well. So getting all the, I think it's super, super something um, with the waist belts, the compression belts that don't actually compress you, but hold your belly up. And then I was really anxious about wearing any of those pelvic support belts because I was trying to get my babies to rotate to both head down. So I didn't want to create any extra tension around that area that may not allow them to turn yeah did you try any spinning babies techniques i did do spinning babies every day i went for a walk every single day with my children who were homeschooled at the time every single day on the beach and i did yoga i did spinning babies i did everything oh my goodness i just hats off to any of those twin mums who get the nausea and the veins popping out in the lower half of your body everywhere and I just remember almost every second night I would just sit in the shower and cry. Like, oh, it was, I know. It was so intense. So <laughs> I must admit I've blocked a lot of mine out because of the intensity of it, but those symptoms yeah. were challenging. Yeah, wow. the insomnia. Yes, oh, big time, yeah. I, I couldn't sleep at all. <laughs> was, oh, wild, yeah. Oh, so wild. I'm just trying to think of some of the other pregnancy like issues it was just all the oh my the swelling and I always thought that swelling was a health related issue um and I was doing everything I could I was eating liver every day I was doing all the things putting my legs up having all the right whole food supplements so yeah liver and eggs and just all the good stuff and I still was just in so much pain with the puffiest feet ever uh, the cankles were wild. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get cankles? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I was carrying twins. It was inevitable. But my biggest thing was the itchy skin. Did you end up getting, like, really itchy skin? Not really. Okay. Uh, it wasn't so itchy. I remember going hell for leather with just throwing myself in all the coconut oils and shea butter and every, making up my own potions so then I could rub them Amazing. on myself and vitamin E that I'd lather myself in. Yeah, nice. Yeah. 
So for anyone that doesn't know already, you are a holistic nutrition coach. Yes. Having that background and knowing how depleted you can get from any pregnancy, really, not just, you know, a pregnancy with multiples. What were some of the key things that you did to stay on top of your health? Right. So I basically just went crazy on all the whole foods and just making sure I was eating enough. I, I ate liver every single day without fail. I would crave it. And the weird thing is, is that now if I even look at liver, my body just is repulsed. It's disgusting. <laughs> but during my pregnancy, it was all I wanted. It was give me all the liver. I remember I was sick in bed. I think I had caught one of the kids colds and I just remember my husband cooking me up liver in bed and bringing it in and it was all I wanted was just all this liver <laughs> but lots of liver um just lots of whole foods like eggs um lots of spinach lots of stinging nettle that I would saute up with grass-fed butter for iron I did all the herbal teas and tinctures um I'm trying to think of anything else I did. Magnesium was a really big one, and I would notice that if I didn't do either magnesium baths or put, you know, magnesium in my water, I would notice a really big difference where I would even feel more nauseous. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it was more the whole foods opposed to supplements because my body is really sensitive with supplements. And I remember towards the end I took an iron supplement because I went to go and get my bloods taken and – I was low in iron despite the fact that I was having copious amounts of liver. And I don't know if you're familiar with Freya Kellett's work. No. Um, just about blood loss around postpartum hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. So she has a philosophy that is during pregnancy, you end up with an abundance of blood, possibly two litres for twin mums, more litres of blood than you would normally have. And during your postpartum, you can either have a postpartum hemorrhage to get rid of that blood or you can slowly bleed. So like, you know, having a period for however many weeks that a lot of women have that. But either way, you have to excrete that blood. So I had familiarised myself with that concept, which I actually really quite like the concept of. Uh, So I knew that my iron would be lower than it normally was just because my blood was so dispersed with fluid as well and I don't think that's what a lot of people take into account especially with a twin birth your blood is so dispersed that your iron levels are going to be that little bit lower yeah Yeah, so the iron was the main one that I had but yeah the iron tablets just really affected me so I didn't even have the iron tablets at the end yeah okay (laughs) Did you have any fears rise up during your pregnancy about the birth? Um, And what were they if you did? Absolutely. I had the fears probably after that calm birth course, just the fact that somebody had planted those seeds of doubt in me. And I did have fears, but I worked through them. I guess my, like I had a plan A and I had a plan B, C, D, E, F. I had, my birth plan was very detailed with, you know, A, B, C options for what to do. It was like a choose your own adventure situation (laughs) where if this didn't go to plan, we went the opposite route. And so my husband was really familiar with that plan. I had it all printed out. So he would I guess, understand if there were any complications, what we would do in that complication and how we would resolve that complication. So, 
yeah, it was more working around the logistics. I had no doubt that my body could do it because I had birthed my two babies before and they were both different experiences, but I knew my body was more than capable. Yeah. And what was the main fear that you had to let go of? My main fear was postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. I knew in my gut, I knew that the babies would be fine being delivered at home, but I did have fears around my own postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah, and what I would do in that situation. So, but yeah, I had plan B, C, D, E, and F sorted out. So we worked through it. Yeah, amazing. So let's jump to the end of your pregnancy now, that last few weeks leading up to birth. Yeah. How were you feeling? Uh, like absolute rubbish (laughs) it was just I was just really tired yeah and I was just trying to give my body as much sleep as possible and as much rest and we were in New South Wales at the time and it was raining a lot so that was okay so I felt like I could you know do homeschooling inside with my children and rest while they were doing some schooling which was nice So it was just more about just really getting into that rest stage and just preparing myself for birth. But there's a lot of ambiguity around when twins are actually born physiologically. So whether that's at 36 weeks or whether that's at 42 weeks, there seems to be a really wide range. So it was just not really knowing when it was going to happen which I'm sure every single person feels that in their pregnancies. It was, you'd like to be able to plan and pinpoint, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely the element that was my downfall in my pregnancy. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking that I would absolutely have my babies by no later than 38 weeks because twins always come early, right? No one goes full term. Yeah. I completely disregarded or, you know, just simply didn't acknowledge the fact that most twin births, especially in Australia – are induced or scheduled cesarean so yeah once I hit 38 weeks and then 39 weeks and then 40 weeks my entire mental strength was shattered and it was only after I'd had them that I learned that it was actually completely normal for a healthy mother to go to 40 weeks yeah even two weeks yeah 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 far out could you imagine that (laughs) come on guys eviction notice So you were mentally prepared to go full term? I was mentally prepared. I thought that I would go for longer because my daughter was born literally on 40 weeks and my son was born uh, 41 and 3. So I was ready for, you know, them to come around 40-odd weeks. Yeah. When was your last scan? My last scan was at 20 weeks. I know that you're supposed to get them from, I think, 24 weeks. You're supposed to get weekly scans, but that was – not happening for me. (laughs) So I opted to do the 20 weeks uh, just to see where they were, what the sizing was, completely inaccurate. They said that both twins were in the 97th and 98th or 94th and 97th, I think, percentile, Um, which I don't think they were because they came out considerably smaller than that. And they also said there wasn't much of a size difference and there was a lot of a size difference. So it wasn't very accurate at all. So I'm glad at the 20 week scan, I kind of, yeah, I took all of that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. So how far along were you when you felt those first signs of labor? I actually had no inklings because I was just in such intense pain. 
that everything just, I was like just rolling with the punches. <laughs> so it came to 37 and 6, I think, 37 and 6. And I, my waters broke in bed at 11 p.m., so I remember not sleeping as per usual <laughs> during the pregnancy and then I had my waters break in bed and I told my husband, I got up and I said, don't worry, it's not going to happen anytime soon, I'm going back to bed. So I just jumped back into bed and I slept and then at about 1am I had, they started to really, my contractions really started to ramp up and so my husband got up and got me a heat pack he was super excited and I was like go back to bed like it's fine go back to bed I just need a heat pack we'll be all right and then it really started to intensify really quickly so my contractions came a lot faster than with my son and daughter prior they came just really quick and really hard and fast and so I kind of didn't get that lead up it was just straight in um so I immediately pretty much just jumped in the shower on hands and knees with my yoga mats beneath me, leaning on a birth ball. And I was just rocking back and forward. And yeah, my husband was running around with my birth plan, like it was a checklist and key lights on, diffuser on. I had prepped him, you know, a couple of weeks before and had gone through the whole birth plan with where everything was. So he knew what to do. And my birth pool was already set up. And at the time we were living yeah, in Wollongong on the lake. And so we, I'd set up the birth pool so it was overlooking the lake because it was my ideal situation to be birthing outside in nature. But that obviously just can't happen when you're screaming and moaning with your neighbours next to you. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I want that element of nature, but I want it in my room. So, yeah, we were looking out over the lake and the birth pool was all set up. Beautiful. Um, yeah, but he was just so funny, like literally furiously running around the house trying to get everything sorted. But I laboured in there in the shower for about an hour and then my doula Trish arrived and – after Trish arrived, I think I hopped into the birth pool straight after that. It's so funny how your body just literally blocks everything out. Yeah. <laughs> but I could feel Isla transitioning. And I guess I had I had those concerns because they were both transverse for the entire pregnancy. And they say that you can't deliver transverse twins. So in the hospital system, they will only let you deliver with a normal obstetrician. They'll only let you deliver if twin A, so the closest, the closest to your pelvis, is head down and twin B, it doesn't necessarily matter, granted they're the same size. But they were both transverse, so that was always a little bit of a fear in my mind, like what's going to happen there? I knew that things could change at any moment during labour and they could move and your body pushes them into different spots. So... But basically, I started getting so excited when Isla was transitioning because that was a fear of mine and I could feel her coming and I was just so ecstatic that she was there. And it wasn't painful and it wasn't uh, it wasn't really stressful. It was such a beautiful birth of her. She was quite little. She was only 2.8 kilograms. And for me, both of my other babies were around the five kilo mark. So for me, 2.8 is tiny. So I pretty much just breathed her out. It was awesome. And so at about 3.49, Isla was born into Chris's hands in the birth pool. And so he passed her through to me and her cord was quite short. So she could just reach my nipple on an ankle. So she was passed through to me and she just came out screaming. Uh, 
eyes full of wonder but just screaming and she was so alert and awake uh, and it was just so yeah it was really magical and I guess it got me so excited because her birth was so easy I was like this is gonna be awesome like I love this twin birth gig like this is gonna be great so good um and yeah my husband just had the biggest smile on his face uh yeah and so I tried to get her to latch to my breast and and she just basically sat there for a while taking in all of her surroundings. Um, but I was just so shocked that her entry into the world was so smooth and it was so fine. And then my my son Atlas woke up and he came in and he saw her and he was just so excited. He was smiling at her and patting a little head and couldn't wipe the smile off his face. And my dog was in there too. I've got a little black pug. and He was sitting next to the birth pool and he was so excited he could just see her. All the while she was just screaming her lungs out, but everybody was still excited. Um, And then about 10 minutes later, after she was born, my mum arrived. And so she was always going to be at the birth and I, you know, got Chris to call her as soon as I went into labour, but she was about two hours away. So she'd driven up and, yeah, then she arrived. And my mum is just, she's my absolute hero. She's my best friend, my confidant. And so... I was so excited when she was there because she's just always somebody that's made me feel like I'm capable of doing anything. And, yeah, it was just so beautiful. I even get emotional talking about it. But I was just so lucky to have such a strong woman there. You know how you want those powerful women that just fill you up with energy and fill you up with strength when you're in that stage. Mm -hmm. And so when she arrived, I did this big exhale because I just knew everything was going to be – not that I was stressed, but – I just knew everything was going to be okay. My mum's there. Like, I'm sorted. It's fine now. We can carry on. Yeah. um, So then we had a bit of a delay in the contraction. So pretty much contraction stopped, which it's really difficult because with natural or physiologic twin births, there aren't a lot of them to get an understanding on what happens between twin births. So normally in a hospital setting, they come within an hour of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't come within an hour of each other, it's an automatic C-section, I'm pretty sure, and even less. So normally it seems to be like somewhere between an hour, physiological twin births, between an hour that the twins come of each other. But, yeah, the contractions completely stopped. And so they stopped for about an hour and then I started to feel things again. And in my birth plan I had that if... Hazel hadn't come within an hour that we'd go to the hospital. So I just, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, a thing's going to happen. So I remember jumping up and going, okay, let's let's cut Isla's umbilical cord um, and clamp that in the hope that that kind of started to move things along. So my husband cut and clamped Isla's cord, and but she had spent – yeah, nearly a full hour attached to the placenta. So she was really, really flushed pink and was a really beautiful, healthy colour. And then I, I got up to go to the bathroom and to empty my bladders in the hope that it would start things up again because I was just, I guess there was a little bit of anxiety or just a natural intuition that, come on, we got to get things rolling. We can't just sit here forever doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, at one point 
they were still really, all the contractions were still really far apart. So it was still gentle and far apart. And I remember jumping into bed at one stage and then trying to have a bit of a power nap because I was like, okay, all right, things are still not happening. But then, yeah, once I'd revived a little bit of my energy, I hopped back into the birth pool on hands and knees and and really tried to sway to bring Hazel down. She was still really, really high in my belly and still transverse up in there. And, yeah, her head was kind of up in my ribs and her bottom was slightly further down, but she was still very much transverse. So head in ribs and then butt out further to the side. And with each contraction, I just remember seeing her just literally inch like a, a centimetre, half a centimetre down. Mm. So it was really, really slow. But I just had this gut feeling that she was fine. Um, she kept on having hiccups the entire time when she was in my belly. So my whole belly was just hiccuping the whole time. And she was kicking and everything. So I just knew she was okay. So we kind of had a bit of flexibility in the birth plan to just see things, how things went. Um, so my dad arrived at about 4am and my dad is just, he's so entertaining. So he came in at 4am to look after my big kids, but he came in with a Macca's coffee, like takeaway coffee. And he was like, do you want a coffee, Amanda? I was like, no, dad. I'm naked in the birth pool in the middle of my birth. Like, oh, no, gosh. mate, I don't want a coffee. Bless him. <laughs> oh, he's so, so hilarious. And then I was like, can you look after the kids downstairs? Because I said, I want you here for my birth, but I don't want you in the birth room. Like, I want you looking yeah. after the kids. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was going to stop for a chat. I was like, come on, mate, off you go. <laughs> Move it along. But, yeah, Dad's really funny because I had this doula, Trish, who was amazing and she was such a good support and she just intuitively knew what I needed before I kind of knew when you're in that primal state. So just cooling down, giving me water, all of the rest. Mm -hmm. But dad had never heard of the term Adula. Mm -hmm. So he thought that her name was Abdullah. So oh. he kept on calling her Abdullah. And she would run downstairs to, you know, get a wet washer or run downstairs to boil the kettle to bring me up some steeped tea or, you know, running downstairs. And dad kept on calling her Abdullah. And it wasn't until after the whole birth that we realized he was calling her Abdullah and we were just crying, laughing. It was so entertaining. That's amazing. And yeah, and so basically during this entire time, Isla was just being cuddled on the bed with mum and she had finally stopped screaming by that point. She was yeah just having a cuddle with mum um but yeah I felt Hazel slowly enter my pelvis and that would have been at about 9 a.m um so Isla was born at 3 something 3:49, and then I slowly felt Hazel at about yeah nine ish mm -hmm. um but she was still transverse so I could still see her head on one side and her butt on the other so I was like logistically how's this gonna work <laughs> like how's this baby gonna come out but Sure enough, she kept on kicking and I finally felt her foot like coming out. And so I was like, how is that working? Because I can see her butt on one side, see her head and her foot's coming out. Anyway, her foot came out and she came out and I felt transition for a second time and she arrived footling breech. Wow. So, yeah, to have a twin or home birth with one baby breach as well is a bit yeah. wild. But I had done a lot of research into breach because I knew that a lot of the time they can't get the right positioning in a twin pregnancy. Like it's obviously so cramped. So a lot of twins come out breach. Mm -hmm. I 
just guess because I hadn't had a breech birth before, I wanted to make sure that I'd covered all bases. So I knew quite a lot about breech birth <laughs> and I wasn't stressed. I knew that was kind of what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of what else. Yeah. So we had about two contractions and she was born to her waist. And normally at about that stage, when you do have a breech birth, it does take a little while for them to come, for them to rotate. So normally they come down and then they rotate um, and then they come out basically once they've reached a different angle, but it takes a little while. But Hazel started to, um, she was stuck there for quite a while and her colour started to go a little bit funny. And I knew that that was that, like that point was the hairy point of breech births, that that was the point where, you know, a lot of things could go wrong. And so, yeah, I got my husband to check up in there to, to feel if anything was stuck. So he felt for arms and he felt um, like around and her cord was kind of preventing her from coming out. And so I just knew at that point, like I had to get her out so I had to push her out whether contractions were coming or whether they weren't. And it was just that gut instinct and everyone around kind of looked and were like, yep, yeah, it's go time. Like it's really go time. So I was on my hands and knees in the pool and I basically stood up to use as much gravity as possible and stood up, turned my knees in to give her as much space. And I put one foot on my window ledge, which was quite low. And then I pushed against contractions. So I just pushed her out, which I think I deserve a medal for that one because that was hectic. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I've had full body goosebumps listening to yeah, that. Yeah, I just knew it had to happen then. And, yeah, it was my intuition telling me opposed to my body telling me this is what has to happen. So pushed her out and I did a huge few pushes um, that were just real. I just remember straining and just pushing her out and her cord snapped as she came out. So it was quite tight. So she was born at 10.40 a.m. And Chris caught her into his arms um, and she was also, he was born into water, but he just caught her kind of as she landed into the water as well. And she was covered in a really thick layer of vernix. Um, which Isla didn't have. So it was so funny how different they can be, even though they're twins. So Isla didn't yeah. have that level of vernix, whereas Hazel had so much. I'm almost not sure if maybe she just wasn't ready, like she just wanted to be cooked for longer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so Hazel didn't start breathing straight away, which is, I guess, Peyton, my first daughter, didn't start breathing straight away, but we were in a hospital setting, so I guess you kind of pass over a bit of the responsibility to other people, whereas when it's your own responsibility, you kind of go helpful leather. So we called an ambulance straight away, um, and it's really hard to do this part of the story justice without, um, I guess, changing my husband's perspective or, or you know, Basically, my husband got really, really stressed at this point and he he freaked out that she wasn't breathing. But I knew that breech babies take longer to come to. Basically, they haven't had all of that fluid pushed out of their lungs and they do take longer. And so he was really stressed. So he basically did mouth to mouth and then I was just blowing on her face and it was probably about 45 very long seconds until she started breathing and pinking up. But she 
when as soon as she started breathing and pinking up, she was fine. And I knew that she was okay from the get-go. When she came out, I knew she was going to be all right. But it was really hard to, um, I guess, uh, let my husband know that it was going to be all right. I think men in those circumstances sometimes don't know. Um, And then I guess I had done all the research with you know, knowing that they take a little bit longer, they need breathing. Um, I did have in the birth plan to call the ambulance straight away, but he was a bit stressed. But after a minute, he was fine and (laughs) it was all okay. But it was that, you know, one minute of stress where, you know, he was really anxious and it's really hard to protect your energy at that time Mm -hmm. and to not be stressed and not feed into other people's anxieties. Um, But my... Dula was so funny. She was, as Chris was calling the ambulance, she, no, she was calling the ambulance actually and Chris had asked her to call the ambulance and she kept on kind of saying like, do you really want to? <laughs> but my husband was adamant still on calling the ambulance at that point. Um, yeah, so she was, she was fine. She was really good and her breathing, like with all breech babies, it's a little bit more laboured because they still have a lot more fluid in their lungs that they have to pass around that 24 hour to 48 mark, like at 48 hour mark, it takes a little bit longer for them to clear all that gunk. Um, But yeah, she was happy and sweet and then the ambulance arrived, which was kind of unneeded at that point. and they were so funny. They walked in, all the paramedics walked in, and they were like, this is a really cool home birth setup. They were like, did you set that up yourself? Like, were you going to go to hospital or were you just going to do this? And I was like, well, a bit of column A, a bit of column B, depending yeah. on things, how things went. Like, And they, there was about, I think, six of them, or maybe there was more. I feel like there was a lot. There were two separate ambulances that arrived out the front. But, yeah, they were quite – they looked hazel over and they had a bit of a – giggle and they're like yeah look we advise that you take her in but it's fine if you don't take her in so they did all of her apgar scores and all of the rest and she was fine she was good to go um but i guess with any breech babies they're like yeah you should probably go in and get checked out but i was happy for her to just stay at home and i was content that she was just going to stay at home but um i ended up with when they were there, which I'm actually so grateful they were there at the time, um, I went into shock with the postpartum um, contractions. And so they were so intense. Mm -hmm. And they were, I I don't remember feeling pain in any of the childbirth, um, in any of that birth at all. It was only afterwards that these afterbirth pains were so intense that I literally blacked out. Um, And that's something that's not very well documented in twin births is just those, well, I I guess they say afterbirth pains are pretty intense, but the hospital, the paramedics thought that it was a postpartum hemorrhage and that's why I was kind of, you know, falling out of consciousness. (laughs) But it was definitely the afterbirth pains were literally too strong for my body to handle. They were just so intense. And although I was grateful they were there because I was quite anxious at that time, I was grateful that they were there. I did wish I had just let my body ride those contractions out itself um, and just deal with the afterbirth pains because I probably would have passed out and then just come to and be okay. But um, I didn't. I went for a nice little ambulance ride and, um, yeah, ended up with pictocin, which is against what I wanted. But... 
Yes. You did free birth two babies at home. So if that's the worst that happened, then so be it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You did amazing. <laughs> but yeah, the whole birth experience was just, it just made me realize like just how much our, our bodies know what they're doing. Yeah. Our body, my body moderated all of that itself and it did everything it needed to do it it waited you know in all the right times and it just I'm just so in awe of the human body and what it is capable of because yeah they seed so much doubt in you about you know birthing at home and all of the rest and I'm not saying that home birth should be everybody's choice um, you have to do what you're comfortable with but I think it should be an option for those people that want it and especially with twin births where women may have trauma attached to previous births and not want to birth in a hospital setting. Mm, so true. How were you feeling when you sort of had time to come back into your body and reflect on that experience? I was feeling so liberated. Yes. <laughs> I was, total I powerhouse. was feeling so excited. Not only because after you give birth to the twins, it's like, all this pain suddenly subsides. Like I didn't have all the pelvic and groin pain. I didn't have insomnia. I had babies waking me up all night, but there was no insomnia. Like I just, my body felt so strong that I was, yeah, it was just so exciting. I was so pumped. And also it was kind of a bit of an F you to, you know, all of the institutions that said that you couldn't do it, like the obstetricians, the laughing at me that I had a twin birth. Or there was, when I went in to get bloods taken, there was this um, lady that took my bloods and she said, look, you'll probably have to go in for a C-section anyway because the first baby will come out and then, you know, all the time the second baby needs to have a C-section. So I just book in for a C-section for the whole thing. Mm. I just remember like thinking through all of these little snippets of things that people had told me and kind of going, well, ha ha, that didn't happen for me, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel that whole strength within your body after you had the twins? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, just even being able to breathe when I spoke. Yeah. Just oxygen. Oxygen. Yeah. Just having oxygen run through my body was so great. I feel you. Um, No, but I, even though my birth didn't go the way that I had obviously hoped it would, I just did not care because I was challenged so much during that pregnancy. I was just so incredibly grateful that they weren't inside my body anymore. (laughs) You know? So I, I feel like my pregnancy really set me up for motherhood with twins because I was like, I can do anything. Absolutely. You're like, nothing can be as hard as that. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Even two babies all night. That's so much easier than that twin pregnancy. Even now Mm. they were just, I think Hazel was 3.4 kilos. So there was quite a big weight discrepancy because I was what? So 2.8 and 3.4. So there was quite a decent percentage weight discrepancy between them and the fact that they were both transverse and you know all the rest I would have never been able to have a physiologic twin home birth and the fact that they were six hours apart um that just would have never ever happened in a hospital so I'm just so grateful that I was able to do that at home and also that I had such good support like I could call the paramedics when I needed them yeah and that they were there and that they could come and that yeah, I was I was just really grateful about the whole way everything went. Yeah, absolutely. What an incredible journey you've had. To wrap up the episode, though, what would be your key piece of advice for any expecting mothers out there? 
Oh, I have so many, but um, oh, no. I think the biggest one for me, which is just, it's just a quote and it is listen to your body first and your teacher second. Mm. Nobody will ever know your body as well as you do. And I think that was a quote that a yoga teacher gave me in Thailand, actually. But I think that it's it can be applied in so many different ways. If you feel like your body is capable of doing something, it doesn't matter what other people have told you. It doesn't matter what your obstetrician has told you. It doesn't matter what your midwife has told you or your best friend or your mum. If you have a feeling in your gut that something is either going right or something is going wrong, listen to your body first mm -hmm. and then the people around you because nobody will ever know your body as well as you do. So true. Amazing advice. What an inspiring journey you've had. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today, Amanda. It's oh, been my yeah. absolute pleasure to listen and it's always so beautiful to connect with a fellow twin mama. So thank you. Thank you so much for your beautiful podcast. It inspired me so oh, much during you. my pregnancy and I listened to so many episodes. I just thought it was fantastic. So thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing because it is important. It empowered me and I'm really grateful for that. That brings us to the end of today's episode. You guys know that twin birth just hits differently for me. I always feel so overwhelmed with excitement to bring these stories to you all because there is so much that goes into a birth like this. There is always a wealth of knowledge and inspiration to draw from these stories. But the biggest take home from today's episode for me would have to be just the raw power of your body when it's left to its own devices. Amanda had not only one, but two transverse babies, and she watched as her body and baby slowly figured out their path. That is the power of birth when left undisturbed. There is so much unnecessary fear projected onto women around the positioning of their babies before labor starts. But Amanda's story proves that when you are laboring in a space of deep trust, calm, and patience, your body will figure it out in almost all cases, or at least signal to you what is needed. Our cells are programmed for this, and today's episode is a true testament to that. You have got this, Mama. I'm sending all my love to all the mothers out there growing their little seedlings, doing the work. Thank you so much for listening. If you love PBA, please leave a review so that we can reach more women who need it. And I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Thank you.